Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the whiners and complainers in the church. Three days after crossing the Red Sea, Exodus 15, the children of Israel began murmuring against Moses for the lack of water. God is always proving us. God will allow me to walk in this life and he will purposely lead me in certain ways to prove me. Not that he doesn't know what's in my heart so that I might know it. You understand? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How many parents have heard the repeated phrase, Are we there yet? Now, we somewhat expect this type of complaining from kids who are cooped up in the back seat of a car during a long trip, but not from God's children sitting in the church pew. Today, Pastor Xavier calls us to a new level of commitment as he addresses the simple truths of this ever-growing problem of discontent in the church. Let's listen. We're continuing our series on the nature of the church. It is important to understand from the biblical perspective what it is that the Bible teaches about the church. So we've looked at many different things. The church is not a place of perfect peace, nor a place where love is always the motive behind people's words and deeds. And so what I want to do is talk to you about the opposition within the church, which is an attack on the nature of the church that we've seen so far. As children grow up, they must be taught to be made aware about the different types of people in the world. Because in their innocence and naiveness, they believe everybody's good, honest, presenting no harm to them. Likewise, must the believer be instructed and warned regarding people in the church who are not what they appear to be, and for several reasons. First, to not be a partaker of their sins. Second, to not be conformed to their likeness. Thirdly, to not be hurt by them. And fourthly, to not be deceived by them. The most interesting thing to note is that the scriptures warn us you can't help or fail to read Genesis to Revelation and see how many problems are brought about by the people in the scriptures, many times by the people of God. We also are given examples of such men from Nimrod, who led the people away from God, all the way to Diotrephes, who spoke against the apostles and lorded over the people, wanting to have preeminence among the people. They're in the epistle of John. There are basically two types of people in the church. Those who build up body life of the church after the true nature of the church, walking in the spirit. And then those who tear down body life of the church contrary to the nature of the church by walking in the flesh. And I presume you know every one of us have the potential to walk in the flesh at all times, anytime. And it's a choice we make. There are equally two types of attacks against the church. There is the opposition from without the church, which though it may be intense and persistent at times, the good thing 
is that you know where your enemy is coming from outside. There is the opposition from within the church, which is the more difficult to detect and certainly the more dangerous of the two. Benedict Arnold was extremely dangerous because his opposition was from within in his attempt to surrender West Point to the British for 20,000 pounds. When someone from within who has been trusted betrays as treachery or close to you, God is always attempting to work in a new and fresh way that involves trust and dependency on him. Therefore, Satan's opposition will not only be from without, but from within. If you remember Sambalad in Nehemiah 6, and Tobias opposed from without, Shemaiah from within. Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20:19 that his ministry was serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell him by the lying in wait of the Jews. The Judaizers were always pursuing him, always trying to trap him. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, Paul also said to them, besides those things that are without, that which came upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, the troubles from within the church, the relationship of the pulpit and the pew is a marriage relationship, and all relationships take time through mutual commitment. Now, in view of all of this, what I want to do is look at three types of people, people who tear down body life within the church. We want to focus on that. First, people who are murmurs. Second, people who are discouragers. And thirdly, people who are divisive. The first type of people that tear down the body life of the church are people who are murmurs. Webster's Dictionary defines murmur as the following. A half-suppressed or muttered complaint. An atypical sound of the heart, this is good, indicating a functional and structural abnormality. Isn't that what the Bible tells us the problem is our heart? (laughs) Spiritually speaking, murmuring has to do with our heart condition in relationship to God. All of us have murmured and will murmur at one time or another, be it to ourselves, others, or God. But we hopefully will learn and mature and learn from those things and not to repeat them as a matter of habit. I'm not speaking against suggestions or constructive criticism, honest concerns or things wanting to be discussed, to be cleared in one's mind. There should never be any opposition or objection to those things. Any pastor should be open for any questions you might have or doubts within the scriptures or anything you want to ask about the church. I will be open to discuss anything with anybody who wants to discuss with me the questions that they have. But it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with your point of view. That's important. 
The problem with many is that if one doesn't agree, then they are labeled as you're not open-minded or objective. No, I don't agree with you because your viewpoint is unscriptural. All right? Unbiblical. A murmur is a chronic complainer about anything and everything. They complain about the facilities, the studies, the parking, the length of the message, why the church doesn't do certain things, and why the church doesn't do other things. Three days after crossing the Red Sea, Exodus 15, 23 through 24, the children of Israel began murmuring against Moses for the lack of water. Now, remember, he just delivered them from Egypt. They've been in bondage 430 years. They've seen God do a miracle and part the Red Sea, kill the entire Egyptian army, and now they're murmuring about water. All it took is three days. <laughs> All the congregation murmured against Moses and Aaron for the lack of food in Exodus 16 too. People sometimes say, I'm not getting fed. My answer to them is open your mouth and chew and get involved. But if we're not scriptural, if we're not spiritual, if we're carnal, we will believe these lies and we will follow Pied Pipers. Listen to me. Rats follow Pied Pipers. Sheep follow the Lord. You have to ask yourself, are you a rat or are you a sheep? It depends who you're following. God is always proving us to see if we will trust and commit ourselves to walk with him or murmur as at the waters of Merah and gathering of manna. If you remember in Exodus 15, 25 and in Exodus 16, 4, God leads us in order to prove us and reveal what is in our heart. Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3 tells us. God will allow me to walk in this life and he will purposely lead me in certain ways to prove me. Not that he doesn't know what's in my heart, but to prove me, to manifest my heart so that I might know it. You understand? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed, Proverbs 27, 5 says. The believer is to do all things without murmuring and disputing that we may become blameless and sincere, the sons of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we are to shine as lights in the world, Philippians 2.14. That doesn't mean that we don't stand up for right or wrong. That doesn't mean that we can't call attention when something is wrong. We're not talking about that. That's a given. It's like the man who was lost in the desert. He was running out of food and water, He came to the end of the last bit of his water, and he was just at the end of his rope, and he just leaned up against a rock, and he says, Oh, death, death, come and take me. Before he knew it, somebody tapped him on the shoulder, and death said, You call? He goes, Yeah, would you help me get my back on my pack because I still have a way to go. He really didn't want to die. He's just a murmurer. He's a complainer. Murmuring usually starts with a few or one. But the potential damage is overwhelming, even as the ten men who you know went to spy the land 
and they gave an evil or bad report and caused the congregation to murmur against Moses in Numbers 14.36. Ten murmurs affected two million people. They didn't enter the promised land. Ten murmurs. Two million people. Conservatively speaking, two million. Could have been a little more. Murmuring is the lack of trust in God and trusting oneself, hindering the work of God, much like the Grecian Hebrew widows who murmured about being neglected. But the apostles were wise enough to resolve it in Acts 6.1, appointing men to give that distribution. They would not be distracted from prayer and the word of God, teaching it. Oh, how many churches and leaders have been hindered if not destroyed by murmurers. The heart of a murmur is not with God, but only with the benefits that come from God, being self-absorbed. Again, Jeremiah 79 tells us our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. I have known the great capacity of my own evil heart in my life, but have not known the full potential and capacity of my heart. Only God knows it. Lord willing, as I walk in the Spirit, I will never know the full capacity of my able heart that God alone knows. Rather than murmuring, we are to commit ourselves to God in our sufferings as a faithful creator, 1 Peter 4.19 says. Kind of a strange verse, isn't it? <laughs> Paul gives his commentary in 1 Corinthians 10.10. 10, Neither murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer for they are written for ad, our admonition. We're to learn from the Old Testament stories. Paul again says in Philippians 2.14, Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Because what we do, we do as unto the Lord and for the Lord. And because we believe God has called us and equipped us to do the work for the Lord. If you have a problem with a person, always go back to the source. Then... And only then, after you've resolved it, you both may want to talk to somebody if it's not resolved. But you go back to the source, that person, not someone else. That's Matthew 18. Not many churches practice Matthew 18. We do. If you have a problem with somebody, you go back to them and talk to them. And by one, by twos, by threes. And if you can't square it away, then call the elders of the church and we can sit down and talk. But all of you should be able to resolve your differences by Matthew 18. So you don't talk to anybody about what you have against somebody or somebody has against you. You go back to the person. And by the way, Matthew 18, the responsibility is on the innocent party to go to the guilty party. When your brother has ought against you, you go to him. You say, well, I didn't do nothing. He's the one. He needs to come to me. No, no, no. The Bible says you're innocent. You go. The responsibility is on you. Go to the person to find out if what you were told or think is true or it's a lie in order to resolve it. So when you approach the person, you don't go assuming that what you've heard is a fact. You say, John, listen, I, I'd like to talk to you if I could. I, I need to hear this from your mouth because this is what I've heard and, and I don't believe it. But, but I need to hear from you. You know, they said, boom, 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 boom. Is this true? He said, no, it's not true. Fine. Galatians says, I'm to confront people the way I would want to be confronted, right? 
lest I find myself in the same place one day. It's important. If you're a murmurer, repent. <laughs> it's simple. The first type of people that tear down the body life of the church are people who are murmurers. The second type of people that tear down the body life in the church are people who are discouragers. A discourager is one who seems to be unable to step out and go forward any time they see the situation beyond their own understanding, power, and ability. They limit God by their own limitation, as the psalmist says they did in the wilderness in Psalm 78, 41. Too often when you are exposed to the things of God, you can become overexposed and you lose the picture as Israel did in the wilderness. When you're around God and the life of God and the church that God is running, sometimes because we are so familiar with the things of God, we can lose the privilege and the benefits of God. And so what we do is we turn to our own reason and our own rationale. And we limit God. They always see the glass half empty rather than half full. A discourager will always seek to discourage others in their hearts. Deuteronomy 128 says, Our brethren have discouraged our hearts from entering in. The ten who spied the land only saw the giants and the walled cities against their own potential. While Caleb and Joshua, the two, saw the land God had promised. Numbers 13, 25 through chapter 14, verse 10. God said, I have given you the land. Everywhere your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. And he defined the boundaries, north to south, east to west. In all the kingdom of David, all the kingdom of Solomon, in all the days of Joshua, they never, ever possessed all the land that God gave them to the present day. That will be accomplished in the millennial kingdom. They fell short of what God wanted to do for them and give them. They did not obey God. They did not trust God. Now, be careful that any of this can be twisted. The faith teachers today twist this kind of stuff, and they call it seed faith. And you've got to believe positive, not negative. Don't say nothing negative. And so they corrupt the text. And they say, now, if you really are a man of faith, then you will step out and give $1,000 in faith, right? Seed faith. Even though you don't have it. You should step out. No, that's not faith. That's foolishness. And that's evil because you're corrupting the text. Very important. So make sure when someone's telling you about the finance, make sure it's in this context and it's right, okay? Because the only ones who are getting wealthy with that type of doctrine are those pastors, not the people. All right? Simple. Every one of us have fallen into the trap or will fall into this trap, but hopefully we have learned and will learn to not repeat it over and over again. These kind of people go beyond self-discouragement. 
and they try to discourage others and work God is directing to do and to be done. So you have to have your eyes on the Lord. You come to church, you grow, you go through the text, you listen to pastors, people who are teaching, but you have your relationship with God, and you've got to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then you listen to him. For this reason, we are exhorted over and over in the scriptures to be strong and courageous, Joshua 1, 5 through 8. Do you know that a man was once court-martialed and sentenced to a year's imprisonment for being a discourager? It happened during the Boer Wars at the siege of Ladysmith. The fortunes of the town and garrison were hanging in the balances. This civilian would go along the lines and speaking discouraging words to the men on duty. He um, struck no blow for the enemy, not one. He was just a discourager, and that at a critical time, the court-martial judge it a crime to speak discouraging words in an hour like that. It was critical. They were fighting for their lives. They needed to press forward. God is the God of the impossible. Not that we move out and say bless, but that we follow his leading and see him bless. Psalm 1. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its season. The ungodly are not so. Obedience and faith every time a person is born again is the standard. God takes the foolish things, the weak things, to confound the things that are mighty in order that no man should glory. In his presence, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and 29. Jeremiah 33 Three, you remember the sermon. I still do. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You've got to go to God. God has placed a treasure in this earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves, Second Corinthians 4, 7. The secret is that the vessel must be broken so as not to obstruct the light. You remember God gave him the instructions. Joshua, you take some pictures, put lanterns in them, and the sword. And all at one time, every one of you yell, the, Lord, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and you break the pictures all together at the same time so the light can be seen. The problem is we get enamored with the vessel, and we want people to look at the vessel rather than having the vessel broken so that the light of Jesus Christ can be seen. He's the important one. He's the one that's directing and guiding. Jesus said, old wineskins cannot hold new wine. They will tear, Matthew 9, 17. There are two things that characterize discouraging people. They walk by sight and trust in their own abilities and potential. And second, they hinder the blessings of God, wants to give, and rob others of seeing God work. We are to walk by faith, not by sight, as the children 
of Abraham, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. If you're a discourager, repent. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths about maintaining a spirit of unity in the body of Christ. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study called Opposition Within the Church. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you request an additional copy to pass along to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. The title to ask for once again is Opposition Within the Church. Or simply mention today's date with your request. Ask for yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. We complain about how the world is opposed to the church, but have you ever thought that our biggest conflict may be from within? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.